dude. You ready? That is the last it's your song. Turn, really. yeah. Okay, yeah, man. <laughs> he threw me off. You never know when he'll break out with this little light of mine, right? So um, that's good. Listen, you know, in the Bible, the book of Genesis, the Bible teaches us that God said, let there be light. And then the Lord Jesus came and he said, I am the light of the world. And then he charges the New Testament church, you and I, to make sure that we shine with the light of the gospel. Amen. And uh, this morning, very, very excited to be able to share with you from Luke's gospel, chapter 8. So if you're visiting with us, we've been going verse by verse through this marvelous gospel, Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 16. I've been in middle Georgia this week uh, preaching and uh, had a great time there. Started Sunday night and ended Wednesday night. And God did a, a good work in that fellowship there in Bolingbroke, Georgia, which is just north of Macon, Bethany Baptist Church. Have some of the uh, folks here this morning. You guys are just on a little vacation though, right? Hanging out this weekend. They drove over to hang out with us. Y'all make them welcome this morning as they're here with us. And so Monday, I spent all day at the Hampton Inn writing this sermon and was extremely tempted to preach it uh, while I was there uh, in Bolingbroke, but I held on to give the first fruit to you, all right? Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. Let me invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. Luke chapter 8, verse 16, you've got it in front of you. Say amen. amen. And the Bible says, now no one after lighting a lamp covers it uh, with a container or puts it under a bed or puts it on a lampstand, rather so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to Jesus because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. Verse 21, but Jesus answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Well, let's bow together. Uh, Father, I pray that your word would leap out of the pages and into our hearts that we would not be merely hearers of Scripture, but doers. Help us to apply the principles that we learn today together. And Father, I pray, just as you did in the first service, that you would move in a mighty way and that you'd speak to every single heart. And God, I pray also that you give me unction from heaven to be able to preach with passion and purity and clarity. And God, I pray as we leave here, we can all say, without a doubt, we have been in your presence. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said, amen. And you can be seated. Well, the introduction of this message is extremely important, so I want to encourage you uh, to pay very close attention. If you miss the introduction, you'll miss the whole message. So are you all with me? Say yes. Before the creation of the world, God the Father chose to give a love gift to God the Son. The love gift was the New Testament church. Now, the New Testament church will be a unifying of both Jew and Gentile into one body. Paul writes about it in Ephesians. He says, There was made known to me the mystery which no other generation was uh, not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So throughout the New Testament, we find this idea of the mystery. 
And the mystery is that the New Testament church is known as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to earth to pay the customary dowry payment for a bride. That payment was offered up by the Son through his death on a cross. You and I are members of the body of Jesus Christ. So we have been purchased from the slave market of sin, from our old way of living, our old way of thinking. We've been transferred, the Bible teaches, from the kingdom of darkness and now placed into the kingdom of light by his grace. And we have been grafted into the promise of God, which includes an eternal home in heaven, in which we will be able to abide in Christ with absolute perfection for eternity. And then by faith in Christ, we are given the gracious privilege of being part of his eternal kingdom. Now, in our study of Luke's gospel so far, we find ourselves in chapter 8. At this time, Jesus, listen, he had not yet endured the cross. He had come to declare the promises of the kingdom. However, most in Israel completely refused Jesus as the Messiah who was sent from God. They likewise rebelled against him, and they chose to stay in the darkness instead of moving into the light. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, we read where John writes concerning Jesus, and he says, There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He came to his own, Jesus came to his own, speaking of Israel, and those who were his own, Israel, they did not receive him. Now, it's interesting, the majority of Israel was not impressed with Jesus because they were looking for a Messiah who would free them from Roman oppression. They missed the fact that Jesus had come to free them from the oppression of darkness, from the oppression of sin, and from the oppression of eternal death. Interestingly, my study, John makes the comment in 1 John chapter 2 in which he says, and listen closely, he says, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. That is, the darkness which covers the mind of the unbelieving is passing away with each tick of the clock. Soon, the light of the person of Jesus will be witnessed by every person who's ever breathed the breath of life, and the light of Jesus will be believed by every single person who has ever breathed the breath of life. Now, whenever I say that they will believe in the light of Jesus Christ, I do not mean that they will all believe unto salvation. But rather, as Paul writes to the church at Philippi, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And although they will see the light of the truth in the person of Jesus, Scripture notes that those who refuse to surrender to his lordship currently will be cast, listen to this, into outer darkness for all of eternity. In other words, those who desire darkness, even after seeing the light, they will be separated from God in outer darkness. So God will give individuals exactly what they desire. Now, the mystery of God's will is being progressively revealed in his, to his disciples in Luke's gospel. So you'll remember Jesus said in Luke chapter 8 and verse 10, he said to you, speaking to the disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now to that end, this is awesome. Jesus issues a warning to his disciples, which also applies to us who know him personally today. 
And that warning is very simple. We must take care how we listen to the preaching and the teaching of His Word. So with that in mind, last week we discovered the hearts. We talked about the soul. We talked specifically about our attitudes whenever we gather together and listen to teaching or preaching. But we also talked about our attitudes and how we respond whenever we are individually reading the Word of God. But today we're going to go a step further and ask another penetrating question. And the question is very simple. How should we listen to the truth of God's Word? And I put this more or less uh, directly to myself. How should I listen to the truth of God's Word? Two ways that we gather from this text. First way is we must persevere to understand and to share God's truth. We must persevere to understand and share God's truth. So your attention to verse 16. You've got it there in front of you. Say yes. The Bible says, Now no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container. Or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. Now, when you and I think about lighting a lamp, we typically think about taking a match or a lighter and uh, quickly lighting a candle. Matter takes all of about 10, 20 seconds. However, it wasn't that easy of a process during the days of Jesus. You had to make sure uh, you filled the lamp with oil, then you had to kindle the wick to get the fire going, and then you had to remain steadfastly devoted to make sure that the flame did not go out. So Jesus was more or less saying to us in the scripture, no one would go through the trouble of lighting a lamp to simply hide its light. In other words, it makes absolutely no sense to do so. Instead, he puts the light on a lampstand so that those who come in, they may see the light. Now, when we study this text of Scripture, there are a couple of truths that stand out to us concerning the lamp. And let me give those to you very quickly. First of all, Jesus Christ himself is the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus states in John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now listen closely. Jesus came as the light of the world to declare to us who God really is. John 1 and 18 tells us no one has seen God at any time, only the begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, Jesus. He has explained him to us. Now, since Jesus is the light, he reassures his disciples that he did not come to hide the truth from anyone. Now, keep in mind what we learned last week, but those to whom the truth was concealed by parables, that was their own fault because of the hardness of their heart. The immediate judgment of their hard heart was to remain in the darkness concerning God's eternal plan for the New Testament church. However, his purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to deliver the truth about God the Father. Anyone who would come to Jesus would be able to see the truth. And remember, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. So Jesus says, I am the light, and the only way you can come to God is through me. Now, that means that we have to make a few little clarifications here. If Jesus says, I am the light, then that means Buddha can't be the light. That also means that Allah can't be the light and Muhammad can't be his prophet. And so as we look at the scripture, it makes us really begin to put a lot of things off the table that do not belong. So that we focus on the one true light who is the Son of God sent by God the Father to testify of him and his kingdom. That's what Jesus came to do. 
But as we study the Bible, we also find that not only is Jesus the light, but Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew's gospel that they are the light. Now listen to what he says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to the disciples. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus, who is the light, declares truth to his disciples. They, in turn, are set on fire by the truth, and now they are commissioned to share the light with others. To give you kind of another picture of that and how it applies to you and I, is Jesus Christ is the eternal torch of truth, all right? Jesus came to the earth, and he set the disciples on fire. The disciples on fire with the Holy Spirit and the gospel began to preach the truth, and churches were being born all over the place. But as the churches were being born, the truth of the gospel message that came from the torch of Jesus Jesus continued to set aflame other believers. And now fast forward all the way to today. Those of you who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have been set on fire by the Son of God through the Holy Spirit and given the gospel so that you could shine your light for everybody to see. So if you aren't shining your light and hiding it, Jesus is like, that doesn't make any sense. If you light a light, you put it out there so it can be seen. Jesus says, I have lit you on fire, not to hide you inside the far walls of a church, but so that you might burn for everybody to see for the glory of God the Father. That's what God has called you and I to do. Now, what is the light? Well, the light's the gospel. It's what Paul the Apostle says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. And he literally calls it the light of the gospel. That is the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as payment for man's sin. That's what we share. That's what we shine. We as followers of Jesus, therefore, must know the gospel deeply, and we must share the gospel frequently. As well, our actions must match our message. Those who are in the dark concerning the truth must see our good works as a testimony to our message. You know, I think it was Gandhi who once said, and I quote, I would have been a Christian had I never met a Christian. Did y'all let that one sink in? I would have been a Christian had I never met a Christian. He could not wrap his mind around the message of the gospel because he did not see it making any difference in the life of the one who was sharing with him. There can be no contradiction between the truth we share and the life we live. So if you are a true convert to Christ, let your light shine for everybody to see and don't for a single moment hide your light in fear of what anybody might say or in fear of what anybody might do. You always, as a believer, listen, always shine your light. There's never a time when it is not right for you to shine. We always shine. You know, I love the passage, too, where Jesus talks about we're a city set on a hill. It's the idea of a whole bunch of lights. You know, it reminds me of flying from one place to another, flying back from Africa towards Atlanta. Boy, once we get over that ocean, I can't remember which one it was, but it's a big one. And all we're doing is looking down at the dark. Y'all don't act all smart on me like you know, too, all right? But anyway, so we... (laughs) 
we fly over, and man, as soon as I see Atlanta, and I see Washington, D.C., and I see these cities, and man, all the lights are just shining everywhere, that's when I get all fired up because I'm almost home. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are lights of the gospel that are being dispersed all throughout the community by God the Father. And God has done that on purpose so that those who are walking in the darkness would be able to see something radically different in your life. And you and I shine the light and we encourage people to come home into the light. And now, I'm going to preach whether y'all want me to or not. I love that truth. Love it. And would like to say very quickly that if you are not shining your light, you're not following Jesus the way he has called you to follow him. Verse 17, look in your Bible. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Y'all still my friends? Verse 17, nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now, here Jesus reaffirms his disciples and us that nothing hidden, now keep in mind what's going on in the context. What's he talking about when he talks about things that are hidden? He's speaking namely about the truth of the gospel message and the mystery of the church. He's saying, listen, nothing hidden will remain hidden. In fact, the truth of the gospel message in the church will not always be a secret to the close disciples of Jesus, but it will come to light. Now, remember the people Jesus is speaking to here are the disciples in Luke's gospel. They were still in the dark about some things. For example, they still had not comprehended the fact that Jesus would die, be buried and resurrected. They had no clue of that at this particular moment in their life. Nor were they fully aware of the New Testament church and how it would soon be born by the Holy Spirit. They did not understand that. They weren't brought in the light, so to speak, as far as that was concerned. However, the truth that was hidden in that moment, Jesus says, it will become evident. That which is considered a messianic secret to most biblical scholars would soon be revealed in the light of the Son of God. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's why the disciples were always hanging out with Jesus. And when they're walking with him, they keep saying, hey, is now the time for your kingdom to come? Is now the time? Is it? Even after the resurrection, they're like, is now the time? Jesus is like, you know, the times of the epics, man, you don't need to worry about that. All right. I'm going and I will come again. But they were always consumed with this idea of an earthly kingdom, and rightly so. Are y'all listening say yes? Rightly so. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. So, of course, that's what they're looking for. But they did not understand that there would be a time frame in which the church would be birthed, and that Jesus would leave, and the Spirit of God would come, and then at the end of that church age, listen, Jesus would come back and fulfill an earthly kingdom on the globe that was prophesied in the Old Testament. So it is coming. Are, are y'all out there? Did I just confuse everybody? Shake your head at me, act like you're with me. That helps me every once in a while. God bless you. I'm losing my breath up here, man, trying to preach this sermon. And y'all are looking at me like I've just fallen off of some truck somewhere. This is good stuff. It's sad when the preacher has to remind the people he's preaching to it's good stuff. You know what I'm saying? I promise, man, it's good. 
Now, as followers of Jesus now, what the Bible teaches us to do is continue in the truth. See, we have so much more in our arsenal, so to speak, than the disciples did in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. We know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We know about his ascension. We know about his return. So we have all of this light, all of this knowledge about what God is up to according to the Scriptures. And now, because we have this light, God is like, go shine that stuff, man. Go tell people. And everybody's going to come into light eventually. Everybody's going to see the Son of God. Everybody. Everybody. Hitler's going to see Jesus face to face. And he'll bow a knee and say, Jesus is Lord. Where is he now? Hell? Y'all all right? But he'll be given. Listen. It's kind of wild when you think about the end times. Just look at me real quick. The Bible teaches that uh, everybody's going to be resurrected. All right, so at the moment of death, your spirit separates from your body. Your body goes into ground. But the Bible teaches that when Jesus returns, us believers, our body's going to be resurrected and meet our spirit in the air. So we'll have a resurrected body fit for eternity. But look over in Revelation chapter 20 where it talks about the great white throne. It literally speaks about the reality that even unbelievers will be resurrected. They'll be given resurrected bodies fit for eternity. So they'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll bow the knee and say, Jesus is Lord. But because they refused him as the light while they were on the earth, they now will be cast into outer darkness for all of eternity and spend eternity separated from God in hell. It's amazing. But here's the deal. You and I, we understand the light as believers. We know Jesus is the light. We know Jesus has set us on fire by the gospel. He's given us the Spirit of God. So what do we do? We get out there and tell as many people as possible so that, listen, so that they can be saved. Y'all look at verse 18. Uh, Take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken from him. Now, here again, Jesus warns us to pay careful careful attention to how we listen to God's truths. Also, Jesus reiterates the principle which was shared last week. Those who have the light or those who receive the truth to him or her, more will be given. That is, you'll receive more truth, more light, more of the knowledge of God will be given to you. There's also... In this verse, the statement that some, listen, some think that they have the truth. Now, this contextually reminds us of those religious leaders of Jesus' day. They believed that they had the truth of God wrapped up in their traditions and man-made religion. However, listen, even the heretical light which people have grasped hold of in ignorance will one day be completely taken away from them. The heretical lie. Where does it come from? Well, it's received by the devil. So the devil, are y'all listening? Say yes. yes. The devil masquerades, the Bible says, as an angel of light. And so he comes as an angel of light and tries to bring others into his light. And as he woos people into his light, he encourages them to not trust Jesus, but just live a good life and you'll go to heaven or follow this individual and all things will be okay. But this heretical light one day will fall before the Son of God like a deck of cards. 
That's why I'm always nervous when I run into somebody and I'm sharing the gospel. And I ask them, you know, do you think you'll spend eternity in heaven? And they're like, yeah, man, I believe I will. Tell me why. I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says nobody's righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. And the problem is people are holding on to this good old boy mentality. And they're like, well, you know, I'm just a good old boy. God's going to let me into heaven. Not if you don't come into light. He ain't. It doesn't, and listen, you do not get to heaven by your good works and your good nature. All right? And the reality is the angel who is masquerading his light has convinced you that you're a good old boy and has convinced you that you really have a good nature. But that is a lie from hell. Nobody's righteous. It's by grace that you're saved through faith that not of your works, lest you brag on yourself. So we can't be saved in that matter. False religions, they will fall like cards. Those who are trusting in their own fleshly works, they'll fall like cards when they come in the light of the true Son of God and the truth. Now I'm working up an appetite is what I'm doing. Y'all all right? How do you know you've grabbed hold of the right light? I'm asking you, how do you know that you've grabbed the right line? How do you know you really are following Jesus? You know, there is some ways that you can know that. Let me give them to you very quickly. There is a continual progression toward spiritual maturity in your life. There's a continual progression toward Christ-likeness. The fruit of righteousness continues to come forth from your life. Your passion and devotion to the Lord grows deeper. Your passion for his mission to make disciples grows deeper. Your heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to grow deeper. The disciples reported in Acts 4 and verse 2, and this is awesome. Here's what they said. We cannot help but to speak about the things that we have seen and heard. They were coming to Peter and the disciples who were being bold about the gospel because they had just seen the resurrected Lord, and they're like, it's on now, I'm going to tell everybody. So they're out there sharing the gospel, and people are coming up to them and say, y'all need to stop that. You need to quit that. And they're like, we can't stop. There's something innate within us, man. We cannot stop sharing about what we've seen and heard. And those of us who have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God puts a deep passion in our heart. And listen, we cannot help but talk about Jesus. It just comes out. Squeeze a Christian, you always get Christ. Now, there's no doubt there's ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows. There are times when you're growing more rapidly than at other times. But true believers are growing and sharing, which give evidence that they are genuinely following Christ. So we better take care how we listen to the Word to be absolutely sure that we are persevering to know the truth and to share it. Can I give you all a second point? Here we go. We must show we are members of the family of Jesus by applying God's truth. We must show that we are members of the family of Jesus by applying God's truth. Look at your Bible, verse 19. Y'all got it there? Say yes. The scripture says, uh, And his mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowds. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. 
Now, Jesus' popularity had grown significantly large. The crowds continued to press in around him in efforts to both see and to hear him. He was much like a modern-day celebrity who's surrounded by throngs of people. His family had gone to meet him, Mary and his brothers. His father, Joseph, is not mentioned during his life and ministry. Most scholars believe that Joseph died prior to the public ministry of Jesus. Now, we are let in on the spiritual life of Jesus' half-brothers as we continue to study the Scripture. Do you know that? What, what were they like? I mean, did they, didn't they just have a white-hot passion for their brother Jesus? Not at all. John 7 and 5 says, For not even his brothers were believing in him. That is, when his half-brothers heard him sharing the light of truth, they were most likely embarrassed by him. They thought he was a madman who had lost his mind. However, it didn't take long for them to realize that they were wrong. Somebody says, well, how did they realize they were wrong? Read the book of Acts because they saw Jesus get up from the dead. Are y'all listening? It's like the brothers are like, I don't know what to do with Jesus, man. I, I don't know where he gets all this stuff. You know, I, I don't believe him. We're just trying to get him away from y'all. All these crowds, I don't know what's going on. And then the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they're like, my bad. <laughs> you remember me? I'm your bro, right? You know what I'm saying? But in Luke's gospel, in this moment, now please pick us up. This is awesome. In this particular moment, they still were not believing in the Lord Jesus. So they didn't want to get word to him. But look, notice verse 20, what the scripture says. It says, and it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But Jesus answered and said to him, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, Jesus, again, narrows here our attention on how we hear the Word of God. So he states that those who do the will of God, that is, those who persevere in accomplishing God's desires, God's purposes, God's plan, God's pleasure, those are the ones who are actively considered members of his family. John writes in John 1, 12, and 13, And as many as received Jesus to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And then Paul says in uh, Romans 8 and 5, you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons through which we cry out, Abba, Father. And then 1 Peter 1 and 17, if you address, your, uh, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, then conduct yourselves in fear during the time of stay that you have on earth. So Peter is essentially saying, if you call God your father, then act like it. That's what he's getting at. Those who receive Jesus by faith, in obedience to the gospel, they are adopted into the family of God, and thus they are grafted into the family of God by adoption. Therefore, we become brothers and sisters of Christ Jesus. And Jesus makes certain, however, to warn those who listen to his truths and claim to follow him. If they hear the word and do it, then they prove to be genuine members of the family. You know, interestingly, James, the half-brother of Jesus, didn't believe Jesus prior to the resurrection. But afterwards, seeing his bro brother raised up from the dead, he surrendered his heart to the Lord Jesus. He wrote a book in the Bible which bears his name, James. And in that book, listen to what James writes. He says this, Prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Now, there's absolutely no doubt. James heard the message of his brother Jesus before the resurrection, but he did nothing with it. After seeing the resurrected Christ, he applied what he had learned and became a great influence in the New Testament church. His letter, therefore, challenges us to not merely be a listener who does not apply the Word of God. That's, why James, uh, that's what James used to be like. But he was not a true member of Jesus' eternal family. 
And I can't help but think that when he sat down and wrote those verses in the New Testament, that he remembered the word which came back to him in Luke's gospel from Jesus when Jesus was like, my mother and brothers, yeah, they're the ones who hear the word of God and do it. So then he sits down, he's like, make sure y'all do the word, don't just listen to it. Do y'all get that? That is awesome. Those who have truly chosen to follow Jesus Christ seek to obey his word. That's the simple truth, is it not? Look at the preacher. Don't miss this part, eyeball to eyeball. Look at me. Those who have genuinely, are y'all listening say yes? Those who have genuinely received the gospel and actually know Jesus, they obey the word of God. Let me give it to you this way. Genuine faith... Trust that Jesus Christ's death on the cross paid for my sin, believing he was buried, believing he was resurrected, trusting that alone to forgive me of my sin or give me a right standing before God, trusting Jesus alone, following Jesus alone, grace alone, all Jesus, those who genuinely understand that, they in that moment receive, listen, they receive the unconditional love of God, which is poured out in their heart by the Holy Spirit. That's Romans chapter 5. And then the Spirit of God takes control of the new believer and enables us to sacrificially serve others. So let's rewind that tape. If there's no sacrificial service coming out of your life, it's because there's no unconditional love in your heart. And the reason there's no unconditional love in your heart is because the Spirit of God doesn't reside there, ultimately because you don't have genuine faith. Faith shows up in our love, our love displays itself in our service toward others. And when we do that, that's when Jesus is like, let your good works, let your service so shine before men that they see it and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's where it's at. How do we listen to the word? We need to persevere, man, to know the truth and to share it. And then, listen, we need to live in such a way that we show everybody that we're actually members of the family of God. Y'all listening say, yeah? Oh, that's crazy stuff right there. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts even now. Draw people into the light.